Can I encourage you this morning? In Psalms it says that the spirit of man, put in brackets beside that woman, is the candle of the Lord. Search your own heart. Search your own spirit. Because the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, it can even pierce to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of bone and marrow and Lord it defines the thoughts and the intents of the heart and Lord I pray that as I preach your word this morning that people's lives would be touched not that they would be touched but that Lord if it's required your word is like a fire and like the hammer that breaks the rock in pieces And Lord, I pray for a softening of hearts this morning. I pray, Father, that if anyone has walked into this building and is cynical, is not sure of who their God is, is not sure of the love of God, I pray, Father, that as a hammer breaks a rock, that the word of God would pierce that hard heart and would soften it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I come before you as a vessel, And Lord, I just hand myself over to you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. To some here in this church, the enormity of what is actually happening right now is probably passed on you. But there are two people that I want to acknowledge in this room as being very critical in me ever returning to preach behind a pulpit. You have an amazing pastor in Pastor Neil. And Neil, I honour you. I absolutely honour the pastor who is pastoring this church. I have watched, I have pastored Neil personally, and I have overseen his growth in 30 years. And I can tell you from personal testimony, I was the one who walked away from the word of God. Neil stuck with it. When I chose to come back into the church, Neil didn't judge me. Neil loved me. And I can tell you, if he had done anything but love, I wouldn't have been here. And a couple of weeks ago, when Neil said his goodbyes to Julie and I, he did it on the basis that he was very kind with his words of our input, both Julie and I, into Neil and Joe's lives. But I put to you that those words were almost prophetic in nature, in the context of what God's doing in my life. The other person I want to honour this morning is my youngest son, Joash, in the blue shirt over the back there. A couple of years ago, I was with Joash standing in a church that he attends and is a, a, a young leader within that church. And I felt the presence of God in Joash and he was praying for me for a breakthrough in the hardness of my heart. And so as I prayed this morning, 
that if there's people in here with a hard heart or you're wondering what's going on in life or you want some direction or purpose, is not my word like as fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that'll smash the rock in pieces? God's word can pierce the hardest heart and cause it to soften to what God wants to do in our lives. I had the privilege of speaking to my son as he was getting married to his now wife. It is with much love and great pleasure that I share with you from scripture some words of encouragement as a part of this celebration of your wedding ceremony. As two people deeply in love and committed to your Christian faith, God has some words of wisdom for you. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. The act of consummating a marriage is a beautiful thing in a physical sense. But more powerfully, it is sacred in the spiritual realm. Matthew 19, 6 says, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So what does this mean? Ecclesiastes 4.12 describes it by saying that a threefold cord is not easily broken. In the context of a Christian marriage, this is defined as a husband, a wife and God. You will note that it says a threefold cord is not easily broken. It does not say that it cannot be broken. If you will to be selfish, if you will to break trust, if you will to abuse your partner, then of course any relationship can be broken. But this verse is talking about living out your relationship entwined in God's love as a threefold cord. Ecclesiastes 4.11 talks about, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. Then they have heat. The consummation of a marriage creates heat. And I pray for every marriage in this room that you have heat for the rest of your lives. Why do I say that? Because when you're entwined in love, there's cooperation. There's agreeableness. There's a sense of giving. And for every man in this room right now, the next 20 minutes is very much targeted on your responsibilities. It describes the contrast. This verse is pretty clear and straightforward, but let me put it in simple terms. It describes the contrast of a relationship that enjoys the benefits of living together in harmony with mutual respect and covering each other's backs. And covering each other's backs. Practical terms? What is God saying? Love covers a multitude of sin. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. What did Jesus do? Jesus gave 
to buy us back. And then he goes on to say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Really powerful words for any man in this room that is married. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. God has not turned his back on us. Don't turn your back on your wife. God doesn't punish you. God doesn't make you sit in a corner. God doesn't isolate you. God doesn't up you for the rent every time you make a little mistake. God's got your back covered. Husbands, have we got our wives back covered? This is practical. How is love demonstrated? It's an act. It's something we do daily. We love our wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. Now we'll start preaching. First of all, I want us all to close our eyes. I'm going to take you on a little mind map. You're now at an aerodrome and you're boarding an aircraft. But before you've boarded the aircraft, you've put a pack on your back. You've put goggles on your eyes and you're possibly wearing a helmet. You've got communications equipment with you. You hop in the plane. You fly to 25,000 feet. The door opens and you drop out. It's in the middle of the night and you really don't know where you're dropping to. You can open your eyes now. Where are you? Where are you? Why were you hopping in that plane to drop out? So in military terms, there's a term called OODA loop. And it's for that very scenario when a parachutist drops out into enemy territory. And when they land, where have they landed? What's their mission? What's their objectives? What's their purpose? What's their direction? And the OODA loop is observation. When they land, the first thing they've got to do is observe what's going on. And as they look around, they have to think back in their head as to the plan that they know they've got to conduct in the operation they're working to. So the very first thing they've got to do is actually observe what's happening around them, get a landmark, get something that they can actually align with, and they're looking, they're looking, they're looking. Okay, that's where it is. That gives them orientation. That's the second O. So the first one is observation to actually get their orientation right. Once they've got the orientation right, I make a decision, and then when I've made the decision, I act on it in accordance with the instruction book that actually is given to me for this particular operation I'm involved in. It's called OODA loop, and it, you can Google it. It's, it's actually something that is real in the context of setting purpose and direction. Why do I say that? Joel chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, if you've got a Bible with you this morning. Joel 
For men, I make no apologies. But if you're somewhere between a hard heart and a heart sold out to God, I embrace you with love as I preach this word. But I feel that God is very strongly saying to his church, proclaim you this among the Gentiles. And we know from New Testament there is neither Jew nor Gentile and that we are all human beings who God loves. And I put to you that proclaim you this among the Gentiles, prepare war, wake up the mighty men. What is it saying? If you are waking something up, what state are they in for you to have to wake them up? It goes without saying that there are many people and men in particular sitting in churches asleep, laying down, relaxing, enjoying the journey, doing church faithfully week in, week out or month in, month out. Or in my case, when I first started coming back to church, two monthly if I was lucky. Why? My heart was hard. And to come into the presence of God was going to convict me of sin in my life. And it wasn't comfortable. My wife was enjoying herself. She loved it when I came along and joined her. Until one day she told me to pull my head in and get serious. There was a lady that loves. Julie loves me enough that she could look past everything and say, Jeff, I know your potential. I know who you are in Christ. Wake up, mate. Wake up. You're my partner. You're my lover. You're my friend. But wake up to the things of God and to what the Spirit of God is wanting to do in your life. And I'm saying to you this morning, prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Get some passion. Get some fire inside your heart. And that comes by the word of God. Verse 10, let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Verse 10 is really important. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. That is an affirmation. It is a confirmation. It is a statement of faith. Let the weak say, I am strong. The word of God is saying this, not me. What is it saying by beat your plowshares into swords? I actually believe what it's saying is put aside humanity and put on the spiritual. If we go to Ephesians 6 having put on the whole armour of God. And then in verse 17, it goes through the whole process of the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Ah, the what? The sword. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your ploughshares. Instead of being out in the field or in the world going to your daily job, working, 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 grab that ploughshare and beat it into a sword. Oh, verse 17 of Ephesians 6, putting on the whole armour of God, move forward to verse 17, and taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This Word of God can change your life. It can change your circumstances, and it can actually allow 
for you to verbalise what God wants in your life. But let me come back to it, that in doing so, if you want to apply God's power and his love and his mercy and his grace in your life, there is one thing that I believe stops most Christians. It's only a little thing. The tongue. And two years ago, I had to apprehend myself and realise that my tongue was getting me in a lot of trouble. That not only was it getting me in a lot of trouble, but also my life just wasn't bearing the fruit that God actually wants for me in my life. And we've heard Pastor Neil teach on this, about the fruit. And not only good quality fruit, but much fruit. Where does that fruit come from? Didn't Jesus say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, what's that about abiding? You see, I could get up here and bump my gums, but if I wasn't abiding, I'll tell you now, the word of God wouldn't be coming out of my tongue. So we have to make a choice. And so, in actual fact, let's back it right up to the very beginning. The title of this message. Your life. Your choice. What do you choose for your life? Your life. Your choice. Two days ago, Back up the clock, midnight, in the morning of two days ago. What happened? A new year. New Year's resolutions. How many of those resolutions that you made involved this year, I'm going to step out in faith? How many of your resolutions meant step by step, I'm going to mature in the things of God? How many of your resolutions were, I'm actually going to commit to loving my wife? Wives responding to my husband as he steps out to try and love me better and more and to actually appropriate the word of God in my life. Just some thoughts and that's just the heading. Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. An evil man, out of an evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue is but a little member. Yet in Proverbs 18.21, it quite clearly points out that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So if out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is going to speak, what is it going to speak? Is your life so consumed with your work? 
Is your life so consumed with your hobbies? Is your life so consumed with maintaining your home? Is your life so consumed that that is all you talk about? Or can you creep in? Can you just allow the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord? Can you just turn that candle up a little bit and allow God a little bit more time in your life to actually change what's actually in your heart so that occasionally you'll actually start to think and to meditate on the word of God and allow God's spirit to rise up inside of you and to actually allow the spirit of God to be released via words of your mouth? When God in the beginning in Genesis 1 turned around and said, in the beginning God created, how did he create? He spoke. If you want to change your world, how are you going to change your world? You need to speak. You need to line your tongue up with the word of God. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of bone and marrow, and then the Lord actually works out the thoughts and the intents of your heart. So you can't con God. You actually can't con God. What you can do is come into the presence of God, actually seek the holiness and the, and, and the presence of who God is, and I can tell you it's like looking in a mirror. You spend time in the presence of God and it's almost a formula that turns around and says, and God will shine it back in you, and that's a beautiful exchange. And we, we've heard the song, I'm sure, we've heard the song about a beautiful exchange. That's what it means. Spending time in the presence of God, allowing the presence of God to transform us from the inside out. It's not something we can put on. It's not something we can put on. It is something that actually comes as an exchange by the Spirit of God and changes us from the inside out. And I can tell you, you want to harden your heart? Go for it. Your choice, your life, your choice. If you want to live with a hardened heart. But I ask you seriously, given the magnitude of what is happening in the world today, I actually believe the hour is nigh. And as Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane before he faced the cross and he took his close disciples with him and he asked them to pray with him and he went a little further and I believe he was actually spiritually going a little deeper because he knew that the hour was near. God, God, why have you forsaken me? He went on and said because he bore the sin of the world. Why? So that we could have life. There was a beautiful exchange happened at the cross. The exchange of Jesus in the full expression of love, giving his life on the cross. Now, this can seem like all words, but how do we turn it into action in our own lives and hearts? Good question. Good question. I've talked about death and life in the power of the tongue. I've talked about the condition of our heart and out of, if it's good, good will come out of our mouth. If it's bad, bad will come out of our mouth. But seriously, if we want to look at how do we actually turn the tap on, how do we just put that little bit of fuel in the fire? If, if the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, picture, picture your inner person now. You can tell me, 
How big is the candle on the inside of your spirit man? Is there a candle there at the moment? Or seriously, is your heart so hardened that there is no candle burning that you think is not burning? But let me tell you, there is always a flicker. There is always a flicker. There is always an ignition source. There is always something that God will work with because God will take you where you're at. And you might think it's blacked out in your life. You might think you're living in blackout conditions. But you know what? God is greater than that. And God keeps an ignition source inside your heart that the moment you choose life, that he turns it on. And it's God that does it. It's God that does it. And in Psalm 63, 1, Early will I seek you, Lord. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is, I cry out to you to come and speak into my heart and my life. And it's when you're serious enough about your walk with Christ that you'll actually set the alarm clock in the morning. And early will I seek thee. And I'll tell you what, I was faithful in getting up at quarter to four in the mornings to go and ride my push bike. Faithful to go and do my training. And when the Spirit of God, when I allowed that little flicker to turn on in my life, early will I seek thee, Jeff. At quarter to four, the alarm's going off. I can get up and ride a bike. But at quarter to five or quarter to six, the alarm goes off to spend time with God. And, oh, I'm so tired, I can't get up. Come on, consistency in the life, discipline, dedication. And I put to you that that is the power of the Word of God. It is life-transforming where there was sparseness and no supply in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, God can turn it around. The ignition source in your heart, he can actually turn into a flame and that flame can grow as you feed it with the word of God. I'm actually going to call it quits at that this morning. I actually have more scriptures but I believe I've made the point. The point is oodle loop. Get your observation right. Actually have a have a scan over your life. Observe your life, where is it at? Then orient it. Is there something that you can find as a as a source? Ah, oh, that's familiar. Yeah, that's what was on the plan. Ah, that's right, church. Ah, that's right, Jesus. Actually, spirit, Jesus. What are the things that you can orient with? Where's the compass pointing you? Is the compass pointing you away from God or is it pointing you towards God? That all comes out of your observation. Where is the critical mass of your life's direction pointed? Is it pointed to God or away from God? If it's away from God, I pray this morning that that little ignition source on the inside of you will be turned on and it will come into a flame. I pray that you would just respond that little, take that one little step and say, God, you teach me. You teach me how to actually feel your presence again. You teach me how to take that, just that that little, it might be a ginger step, but God honours you where you're at. You take a little step, he'll be right there with you. He'll be breathing out your mouth. Jeff, just speak this word of life. Just speak this word of life. I was going to go to Deuteronomy. Death 
and life are in the power of the tongue. We know that. But then God turned around and he put before you blessings and cursings. Life and death. What's it say? You choose. Title of this morning's message, Your Life, Your Choice. been a while for me. I can only say that the word of God works. And if you feel that in your heart you actually want to make some form of dedication in front of other people about your heart condition that you want to take that small ginger step or you want to take a massive stride for mankind, I'd like you to come forward for prayer. I'm not begging you because I believe that God's word works. God watches over his word to perform it. If God is speaking to you in your heart this morning, I ask you to come forward because I just believe there's a transfer of faith that can actually enable you. Faith is an enabler. It's a builder. It's a love giver. Faith is the word of God in action. So as we have the musicians come up this morning, it's up to you. The ball's in your court. It's your life, it's your choice. If you want to make a statement of faith and reaffirm your walk with the Lord, feel free, the altar's open and there'll just be an exchange of prayer to actually encourage you. In addition to all of this, if there is anyone here this morning who is looking and observing and you're realising that guy is talking nuts. I just don't understand what's happening, but on the inside of me, my heart is beating, my chest is beating, I can't understand what's going on. That is the Spirit of God calling you into the Kingdom of God. That's what's actually happening. Physiologically, the physical body is subject to the realm of the Spirit. And if your heart is beating fast this morning and you know there is an urgency there is something on the inside that is happening. Perhaps you'd like to consider giving your life to Jesus Christ because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And if you want that life experience, I put to you this morning, it'll be the best choice you could make in your lifetime and offer you a future and a pathway to a life that you could never, ever have imagined.